0: Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton, and welcome back to Kyle, who was not here last week. Kyle, you're here. Hello. Yeah, you carried out, you held down the fort,
1: you soloed. That was great. I mean, normally, if I had put money on which one of us eventually loved the sound of their own voice enough to just do a podcast, <laughs> you would not have been who I bet on. But on the other hand, I would never have figured out how to actually record this thing solo. That's what, you're the tech guy.
0: Um, That's a good point. Now, try- Kyle, oh, Kyle. <laughs> just to lead into it. Okay. just one thing what last week what i wrapped up on i said man isn't it great isn't it great we don't have to worry about draft position anymore because the bears have that first pick pretty much locked up i mean not 100 percent, but it would be insane for them not to get it we don't have to worry about where the bears are i can just enjoy five games of football without worrying about these other tertiary concerns uh and usually kyle when i say some shit like that the Bears reward me with a massive turd. Like, you know, they should come out, and they should lose 45 to nothing. Everything should fall apart, and I should get to enjoy nothing. Uh, and instead, the Bears delivered what may be their most complete victory, not just this year, or not just of Iberflis' tenure, maybe in my lifetime. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. But the Bears dominated a very good team on both sides of the ball, uh, in all three phases, and they got to, they got a gigantic win. Uh, so how are you feeling? How are you doing? Update me. Uh, how I are have, you feeling
1: after this win over Detroit? I have just one thing to say. The theme of today's episode. Fuck it. We ball. All right? Am I, am I a little worried about what this means if they go on a win streak and it saves Matty Berlus' job? Am I a little concerned as to whether he is truly a Super Bowl winning potential head coach? Yes. But you know what? Fuck it. We ball. Am I concerned about Justin Fields' future? Am I concerned about the decision they have to make at quarterback with that number one overall pick and what they're going to do and how do you weigh this and how do you weigh that? You know what? I say that. I say fuck it. We ball. Am I concerned that Yannick Ngakwe just broke his ankle and is out for the year? (laughs) A little bit. But you know what? Fuck it. We ball. We ball. It, they are, it, we are stretching the word meaningful to its absolute widest possible sense. But here we are, folks. It is December 15th as we record this. And the Chicago Bears technically have at least a meaningful game left to play. If they beat the Browns, then all that that really earns them is a chance to beat the Cardinals and still technically be in the hunt, if you will. We saw our first in the hunt graphics this week, folks, that included the Chicago Bears. And that's what that means, they're in the hunt, all right? This game against Cleveland technically has meaning because they could win and they could roll on to Arizona and they could win and they could roll on to Atlanta and they could win. And then, God help me, we could enter Week 18 against Green Bay with that game meaning something for both teams. And I think deep down we all suspect how that will go if that is the case. But until that moment... Too far in the future. Until that time, we rage against the dying of the light. And for the last time, I say, I say to you, Travis, I say, fuck it. We ball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what that means is we, we spent a lot of time this season already talking about the future, right? We spent multiple episodes but, because the season felt deeply lost. This it, felt over- felt like it, it felt like we could get the number one pick. The Bears pick could be number
1: 1. Oh yeah, for a while there the dream was 1 and 2. Like that was like that was the goal. It was like the, the, we might that might be the only thing we had to look forward to is 1 and 2 or or 1 and 3. Can we get Caleb Williams or Drake Mayne? Can we pair them with Marvin Harrison Jr.? That's the only thing left to root for, the only thing left to live for. The world was a dark and gloomy place and food had no flavor anymore and I had no sense of smell and um you know what? I think I might have some other concerns that I should look into as I say those things. But uh now here we are with meaningful uh, no a, a meaningful game at least it's in December. M- it's a one game. One game they lose just to Cleveland. spot right now. They could lose to Cleveland and it's all over. They could lose to Cleveland and we're here next week once again talking about firing Matt Brifluids, once again looking okay. at quarterbacks in next year's draft. And honestly, I don't know if we want to get into the Justin Fields thing today, because I think we're doing good vibes today. I think we're doing good vibes only. This is a good I vibes only podcast. Good vibes of, I have good vibes about no, I mean, we'll talk about Justin Fields, it, but we'll keep the decision good vibes only. We won't, we won't talk about moving on from Justin Fields. We won't talk we're about talking. We are talk talking about, about
0: the present.
1: We're, the present Seth, today. You can follow me on Twitter, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, why don't you follow me on Twitter? Um, is it because you're not on Twitter? In which case, good job. Don't. Don't like go get on Twitter now. That that'd be a terrible idea. Have some self respect. But if you're on there and you have already lost all respect for yourself as a human being, and you still don't follow me, then I don't, I don't, I don't get that. But anyways, if you see me on Twitter, you know I, I've been talking all week about the various Justin Fields scenarios. But here and now, I look at Justin Fields and a guy who, no matter what happens, I will. I want to make it clear again. I still love Justin Fields. I love the guy. I mean you don't know these people, but as much as you can know a professional athlete, I, I love Justin Fields. I think he's he seems like a great kid. His teammates love him. I think he's an intense competitor. I think he gives his all. Sometimes I think he gives a little too much. I think sometimes I think he cares a little too much. Sometimes I think he thinks a little too much. But I, I do love Justin Fields and for these you know, for however many long, meaningful games they have left this season, I will be rooting for him to to play as well as he possibly can. And I want to, I, I would love, you know, because the, the, if you're Matt Eberflusa, if you're Justin Fields, man, this is what you, 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 here's your chance. You can't argue anything better than this case than, than what you've got right now. If you're Matt Eberflusa and you're Justin Fields and your jobs are potentially on the line, you have a month of football games to make your case in the best way you can make it. Because for the bears from here on out, every game is a playoff game. You are. It is win, win, and win, and go on. Listen every, to
0: that coach speak. Listen to that coach speak. Come on, that's some so, Lovey Smith shit you're talking right there. I mean for them, in this,
1: in this, every single game, there's no margin for error. Zero, none. You burned it all up. Mm-hmm. Every game is a playoff game. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to pull some shit out of your ass to win these football games. But if you do then you are making your case for why you should stay. If you're mad, if you do, you are making your case for, if you are Justin Fields, because what is the knock? I mean, there's, there's a lot of knocks on Justin Fields, but the knock on Justin Fields, fair or unfair. And I think we both agree that for the most part, it's been unfair, but the knock against Justin Fields is he can't close. He can't win games. All the flashy stuff he does doesn't add up to wins. He's never made the playoffs. Well, here you go, kid. You have four games to show that you can close. To show that you can finish a season, you can finish a game. So here's your audition, and if you're Matt Eberflus, you know you've we've been the main disappointment we've had with this guy is that he seems a little bit, like I said, cut from the Lovey Smith mold, and that he when it, when the pressure's on, he buckles. When the pressure's on, he turtles. He gets conservative. He 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 shrinks from the moment. So here you are. Every week now, every game is the moment. You are going to have to pull these wins out. So if you're Maddie Booth and you want to make the case to me, because uh, I'm the one who gets to decide, obviously, that you are a coach who can win in these win playoff games, win big games. Well, every game from here on out is a big game for you. Well, I mean, maybe not. If you lose in Cleveland, none of them are big games anymore. You're right back to My a lost friend. Season. My but-
0: friend. You are still looking too far into the future that you just you can't get out of forecasting mode at this point. You're like, well the next four games if we if we do this and do that, we just gotta enjoy this. We gotta live in the moment, man. Let's let's frame this game because this is a game we should revel in. We should really enjoy this. I teased earlier. I've been looking at games, Kyle. I've been texting you all week. But like I don't know when the last time we pants a good team was. Beat them on both sides of the ball, right? The first game that came to my mind, which I told you, was that Rams game in 2018. Night game, uh, went into Los Angeles. We beat the Rams, who ended up finishing like 13 and three. Felt fantastic, but we didn't really dominate on offense in that game. That game ended 15 to six. That's a Kirk Ferentz score, right? We dominated them on defense, but the offense still looked pretty miserable, which is normal for the Bears. We, I kept going back and back. And your suggestion was, well, what about that Lions game in 2011, right? The last time we beat the Lions, they finished 10-6. and We were both really good at the time. I think the Lions were 6-1. and Uh, And that's true. We did. We beat them in all phases of the game. Very uplifting. Uh, But even that, that wasn't second half of the season, Kyle. That was first half. And what happened to that Bears team after that game? They became a fucking dumpster fire. (laughs) They just lost and lost and lost. Ended up finishing that season very mediocre. Uh, I honestly don't know. If I can remember a game, uh, and I was born in nineteen eighty nine, folks. If you want to dox me, if I can remember a game personally where the Bears went out in the second half of the season, played a great team—in this case, a nine and four football team. Uh, well, they were nine and three before the game. Beat them on offense, beat them on defense, beat them on special teams, and came out the other the other end with a, a complete victory. Um, and there are a lot of people who we've got to praise for this without a doubt. Like, uh, but I, I think the, the number one guy who deserves some accolades for this, uh, it's gotta be Matt Eberflus. Uh, and he has caught a whole lot of flack from us, uh, on this podcast and deservedly. So, uh, he hasn't been a fantastic head coach throughout this year. Um, his comments to the media have been, um, at best, I would say they've been incredibly frustrating. Um, uh, he d- tends not to take any blame. He's like, you know, as long as these guys just executed, we'd be fine, and we can see on the field that's not the case. Um, it's definitely been a frustrating season. But, man, over the last month and a half, over the last six weeks or so, what we've seen is that Matt Eberflus and his side of the ball, this defense, has been absolutely dominant. Specifically since we acquired Montez Sweat, this has been a top five defense in the league in every notable category. Um It was just that one piece, you know, to add to the pass rush that leveled this defense up to what it could be. Uh, And there's something to be said for that, I think, in the defense of Matt Eberflus, because he's not in control of how the roster is constructed, right? Ryan Poles is. he's not the guy who had final say in just not having a defensive line to start the year. Um, And if the addition of one Montez Sweat, who has been phenomenal, is enough to turn us into a top-five unit. You do have to give him some credit there. He's shutting down a good offense. The only, the one ding against Matt Eberflus, Kyle, over about the last month and his defense has been that he played too conservatively on defense in the second half of that Lions game in the fourth quarter, and it gave the game away. And guess what? He corrected that this time. We went up by the same margin, and they went after the quarterback repeatedly. They did not stop with the game plan. And the Lions didn't score in the fourth quarter. We ended well, up
1: closing the game out. I would actually say there's one other knock on Matt Eberflus's defense in the <clears> job he's doing during this time period is that they have – now, the Lions, will give them credit there. The Lions are uh, have been a very good offense, so shutting down the Lions is very impressive. Otherwise, you do have to add a little bit of a caveat, I think, in that the quarterbacks that they have beat up during the stretch have been Bryce Young. Who's having an all-time terrible sure. rookie season? That there has been a Brian Hoyer in there. There has been God. Who else have they faced during this this time period? It's not. Uh, it's
0: not going to get better because we're playing never, the mighty Joe Flacco, the fifty-five-year-old. Right, so, Joe Flacco. But, they, yeah, but I mean,
1: you you play you play who's on the schedule. And the thing is, they are dominating these bad quarterbacks the way that they should. Now, also, this is about Maddie Berflust in his that's been really nice. Um. And Nate Tice, who works for The Athletic, uh, does The Athletic Football Show, is a close personal uh, friend of mine, as I like to joke. <laughs> he he, he and I DM sometimes on Twitter, that means we're best friends. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> he did a really good breakdown of some of the schematic stuff that Eberflus was doing on defense against the Lions. And the important thing about this is, as we talked about, how this defense was shaping up in the offseason. And we looked at it and we were trying to figure out, you know, because we're always trying to figure out like, what is Ryan Poles thinking when he builds the roster this way? And so we looked at it and we were like, the corners that they keep acquiring and the corner that they already have, they have Jalen Johnson, who currently is the highest graded corner in the NFL per PFF. Um, I think if we haven't said it enough on this podcast, like, you have got to fucking pay that man. It has to be
0: a long-term hey, deal.
1: You just give him what he wants. That, pay that man. That's, I mean, that's the, That was the risk they took. They told Jalen Johnson, like, you want to be paid like a top corner in the NFL? Then you go out and you prove it, young man. And guess what he proved it? He's currently yeah. the top corner in the entire league. I think. I don't think Ryan Poles expected him to prove it that hard, but I mean, when a guy does that, when he sets his balls on the table like that, you have to reward that man. But anyway,s they had Jalen Johnson to play target. Obviously, Jalen was drafted to play in a three-four press man scheme. They drafted Tyreek Stevenson, as we've seen, looks least comfortable when he's playing off the ball in the zone in zone, but really loves to man up his guy. They have Kyler Gordon, who's a scrappy nickel corner, loves to get in your face, loves to play the run. And so we looked at the secondary that they were putting together. We looked at these linebackers that they were getting and we were like, this looks to me like a defense that is going to blitz a lot more and is going to disguise a lot more and play a lot more press man than we are used to seeing from, from what is at its bones, a Tampa two defense. Um, and so we thought that that's a good thing. That is a good schematic shift with where the league is going, but that's the kind of stuff you need to do more man match patterns, more, things like that. And then the first month of the season under uh, our current defense coordinator who may be on the lam still, when, when he was last seen in the building, Alan Williams uh, was the defensive coordinator, and they started off the season playing the most basic 2004 Madden spot drop zone cover two. Defenses. we we saw jordan love who you know has been up and down this year um but we saw jordan love who's really struggled with teams that disguise coverages with teams that challenges wide receivers who's really struggled when he doesn't know where the pressure is coming from and all that we saw jordan love just tear them apart week one because they didn't disguise anything they didn't they had nothing they played such soft coverage and, and they gave his wide receivers free release Um, So we were wondering, like, why would you draft – why would you put together this roster to play this kind of defense? Mm -hmm. And what we've seen since Matty Rufus has taken over, what we've seen since Montez Sweat has come along and made the defensive line viable, is a lot more of what we expected. You see a lot of plays where where Jalen and – Tyreek are pressed right up against their wide receiver. They're getting in a guy's face. They're not giving a free release. They are challenging. You see a lot more blitzes and, and a lot more dis, um, sim, simulated pressures. Where maybe they are only sending four, but it's not the four that you expect. They're moving Jervin Dexter, who first of all, I, you got the song ready. I don't know. We've done it a couple weeks, but like we th- let's throw it for our guy because he is he he he's earned it. Um, Jervin Dexter right now has a darn pass rush win rate of 12.5%. That is good for any interior pass rusher right now, let alone a a rookie. He's really come a long And they have also, and I never, even I didn't think they could possibly use this kid like this. They've got him out on the edge a few times. They got him out on the edge against Pene Sewell a couple times, and he won. He was pushing Pene Sewell into the backfield because he's just that strong. Um, and I also, there's also been a lot of, uh, plays where they've kind of done like a, like a five, one kind of front where they have four down linemen. And then they'll put one of the linebackers right there at the line of scrimmage on the edge of the line and only really have one linebacker really back in coverage to start the play. It's really helped Eva disguise who he's sending and where it's coming from. It almost looks like the old five, two monster that we used to run in high school. Um, but it's a good use of Jack Sandborn. It's a good use of TJ Edwards and what they do. Um, and it's a good use of the range of Roquan Smith to let him cover that much middle of the field. Um, and not Roquan, Roquan Smith. Smith. Oh, jeez, I did it. Yeah, Tremaine. This Enman. is
0: a good Which, This is a good transition into talking about Tremaine, though, because yeah, that's my much,
1: goodness. He, it turns out yeah. he looks a lot better when he has some uh, defensive line play in front of him. He really does. So you've so
0: seen one of the other things I've noticed about this defense um, since Eberflus take took over, but specifically lately, and since we got Montez Sweat and I think it does speak to his relationship with his players. It seems like there's a lot more freedom for the star guys on this defense. And that's specifically Edmonds and Jalen. And what I mean by that is, um, all right, there was a play during the Lions this past week where Tremaine is clearly blitzing. He's on the blitz, but he tries to jump the snap. And that was, not, that was not the call. Uh, Goff like, tried to get him to jump off sides, and now he's right up behind the defensive tackle's asshole. Um, then the ball gets snapped. <laughs> so he has no momentum. All right, now, in previous years, at the beginning of this year, what Tremaine would have done is helplessly just run into the guy he was trying to blitz through, right? He would have stopped himself. Instead, he goes, no, fuck it, I'm not going to make it. Backs off of the play drops back into coverage on a play where he's clearly supposed to be blitzing and he is right in the passing lane disrupts Jared Goff the pass gets deflected and that was the end of the play that's the sort of thing we wanted to see from Tremaine Edmonds to start the season that's what we've been seeing lately Jalen Johnson I don't know if what's happening to him is coached or not but basically the Bears seem to be running uh they, they go out and they pretend like they're running the normal cover two, which is what we saw to start the year. Um, every quarterback on the field knows how to stop the cover two. They know right where the hole in the cover two is, right? It's on the sidelines of the field, in between the safety and the corner. Bam, right there. Just drop the ball and nobody will be there, right? Jalen has been an absolute assassin at pretending that he is in the cover two and then sprinting back to the spot immediately and by then, the quarterback has already thrown the ball, and it gets lofted right to Jalen. He's got two interceptions off that already he's, and one deflection. He's got a very he is, good job of He's sneaky. He is very sneaky. And I don't yeah. know if it's Iberflus finally being like, look, man, if they think we're running the cover two and you know where they're going to go, take over the play. Uh, but it's been working. Uh, right. And with Tremaine, with Tremaine, like I've got to – he has looked more like the Brian Urlacher-like – that we wanted going into the season for the past. He's definitely come along
1: the last couple of weeks and look, started to look a lot more like the guy you, you hoped he would look like. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't think it excuses how bad he was at the beginning. Like, Like if I'm grading that contract so far, I'm still not really happy with it, but if he can keep leveling it up and carry this forward for the rest of the year and going into next year, um, then, yeah, obviously it makes things a lot better. For a while there, that was looking like a complete bust, and now it's yes. definitely looking a lot more like the guy they were hoping to get. So hopefully he keeps that up. Um, but, yeah, no, that was another thing that Nate Tice really singled out in the video he did for The Athletic this week on the Bears defense. He really talks about how well those guys they have in that secondary and that linebacker core, how well they communicate – with each other on each play. Like, you can watch on the play. You can really see them kind of, like, brief exchanges, br- brief glances where, you know, they realize, like, oh, he's got that guy. I'm going this – I'm going to drift. I'm then going to drift this way because one of the uh plays that you were talking about uh, with Edmonds, where Edmonds kind of squeezed in on the dig route and, and caused the incompletion, again, Edmonds was originally, like, just based on where the play call was – If they were playing just like spot drop zone, you guard one part of the field, and that's that, um, he would have been on the right side of the field and nowhere near that dig. And that's obviously what Goff was thinking. But you can watch the play. You can watch Edmonds kind of communicate with his eyes with the DBs and say, like, okay, I can tell he's got that route, and he's squeezing down on that route, which leaves me free to drift over and take anything that comes over the middle. And it ends up forcing an incompletion, you can see. I don't know that that's exactly how they drew it up, but they are giving their guys the freedom to say, like, communicate, make sure, like, based on adjust, you can adjust on the fly. It's not the very rigid spot drop, archaic, like, this is your part of the field, guard it with your life. It's much more in response to the play that is called and what the offense is doing. Like, here's your first responsibility, but if that's, if you can tell that that's taken care of based on the routes that they're running, then you can freelance a little bit and, and figure out where the ball is most likely to go. Um, Yeah. yeah, There's There's a lot of,
0: there's a lot of trust being placed in his guys and kind of, I guess, kind of to come back around and put a button on that. um, Somebody who spoke to the media this week, the first time maybe that I've seen open effusive praise of Matt Eberflus was Montez Sweat. He said, there's a really tight group. Eberflus is a great coach. He keeps us motivated and I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. And, I, for a guy to come out and be like, you know, basically, it wasn't like that where I was. Like, he comes in here, and he's like, I've got this freedom. Uh, you know, I stay motivated. All these guys love each other. Um, to make that kind of impression on Montez Sweat, who, what we heard was, was not happy to go to the Bears. Was not happy no, to be traded wanna, to Chicago yeah. at all. Um, for him to turn around like this, this quickly, that does say something about this coaching staff. And, like, I, I don't want I I to go so overboard. Says-
1: I do think it says something about getting like $90 million, too. It might have said something about that. Now, I don't. I don't want to, I can, but, I want to make it clear but, to anyone listening that if you give me $90 million, I will also be a lot but, happier and more productive. But
0: we can't be too negative about him either, right? We've been negative about the guy, but he has obviously done well here over the last month of the season, maybe over the last six weeks. Maybe if we had Justin Fields in there instead of Tyson Bagent, you know, we're we're having a very different conversation at this point. But at the very least, this defense, which is what we would basically hold up against Matt Eberflus, uh, it's been fantastic for a while now since we got Montez Sweat, maybe for a few games before that, um, and it's definitely a huge reason that we are like talking about the Bears going on a run here and maybe getting into the playoffs. Maybe not as big of a reason, Kyle. Uh, but also a reason is this offense. How did how did you feel about the Bears offensively this week? I think I think well, uh, if I'm going by our text conversation during the game, we had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. We kind of went up and down well, through this game.
1: So, um, I do want to say one more thing on Matt Eberflus before I move on to the offense, though, because oh, I do think, ahead. like I do think, we have. <sighs> I think if you ask both of us, like, gun to our head right now still, like, what our absolute preference would be, I think we would rather the Bears seize this opportunity this offseason and take a swing and get, like, a really, like, an like a, an, the top offensive-minded head coach or, or you know, whispers of a guy like Mike Tomlin, something like that. We'd like to see them really raise the ceiling because I think what Matty Bifluce has done is raise the floor a little bit. But but anyways, to give Matty Bifluce credit, though, I think if if he's gonna stay, and it looks like right now it is trending more in that direction. Although again, this could all change so quickly. I don't. This is thoughts. why.
0: This is why I don't really want to talk about this at this point because the difference between five and eight right now, and either you know, like the next four games changes so much. Yeah. Like obviously, but, if the season ended today, you get rid of him.
1: Right. But if he, but if he, if he does what we think he might do here, and if he does save his job, I think we have avoided the scenario that was most afraid where they, they win six or seven completely uninspiring games. Like I think we were worried that they would win, you know, they would grind out an, a, a 13 to 10 win over the Cardinals and they would grind out a 13 to 10 win over the Falcons and they would limp to seven and 10 or whatever. And the bears would still be like, yeah, hey, seven wins is good enough. But at the same time, we saw no actual improvement in anything.
0: Right. Well, we have
1: seen improvement, and not just in terms of the players in the field and, and and how they're playing. We've seen improvement in how Matt Eberflus actually approaches things, at least schematically on defense for sure. We've even seen some improvement on offense in terms of, I think, how Luke Getzey schemes things a little bit. I think – Regardless of I what it, Vikings that game right. was
0: rough. That Vikings game was. I'm not going to forget how he schemed against Minnesota a couple weeks ago. So well, I'm a really little worried that's going to be exactly
1: how he schemes against Cleveland too, because Cleveland I agree. does do a lot of the same shit that Minnesota does uh, on yeah. defense. But, but yes, I do think if Matt Abreu stays, and that's still as of as of this moment, it wouldn't be my preference. But we'll get there. If Matt Iberflu stays, I do think he's maybe not the dumbest fucking coach alive. So if we're going to raise the bar as low off the floor as we can and say, you know what, Matt, maybe there are – because we've been a whole podcast where I said, what did this guy does? What is it you do? Yeah. Her? And I think we're getting some answers now. He has something. He, he has. Right? He's got he guys has, on the side. He has somehow, a defense. He, he does have a defense, and he's proven that he can adjust his defense with the times because the things that they are doing are a lot yeah. more advanced schematically – than what they were when we were ranting about that. We were we were wondering like why you would hire this guy just to run a, a defensive scheme that was outdated at the time that Lovey got fired. Like it was already losing steam then. Yeah. This was a defense designed to counter the nineteen ninety eight Packers. And it's it's it had outlived its usefulness to some extent. So we're seeing him do a lot more interesting stuff on that side of the ball. We'll always have questions on the offensive side of the ball. And that's what we're going to get into. But yes, I will give Matt Eberflus some credit in that if they do keep him, it feels a little less bad than it would have a couple weeks ago, because I, I, I do see where are there, there are some things that he's brought to the table since. Sure. Yeah. So, so Eberflus
0: is kind of, Gone to bat for himself, like you said, it was also kind of nice to see him joking around a little bit in the press conference. One of the big things we talked about a couple weeks ago um, was that there was a monkey on the back of so many people on the Bears before that Minnesota game. Iberflus had never won a divisional game. That's horrible. Like, you know, that's going to get you fired. Justin Fields was blowing games at the end, you know, either deservedly, either it was his fault or the defense had blown it and he couldn't complete a final drive. He couldn't get that monkey off of his back. And there was this, just a, a, pall over this entire team. It felt like and deservedly So, um, and one of the things I said a couple of weeks ago was man, that Minnesota game, getting that win over a division rival for Justin Fields to do it that way, going down the field to win the game at the end of the game, this could be this giant cathartic moment of release. And suddenly the bears could all just turn around because the whole mentality changes. Uh, It seems like that is, that is very possible here for Eber It seems like right now, like I said, he's joking around in the press conference. I've never seen that guy joke in my life. He's got a personality out there. Um, And for the guy, we got to talk about first on offense, Justin Fields. um, I, so how did you feel about Justin this game? I think at the very beginning, that first drive, I was very upset because it just, he missed a wide open guy on the right side of the field, refused to throw it to him. He was, he, he had a Justin Field sack, which you and I, I think spent a long time laughing about. He
1: it was, it was, it was he, egregious. Aiden
0: Hutchinson was perfectly blocked by Darnell Wright. So Justin runs away to the inside. Then he is perfectly blocked by Nate Davis. So Justin runs all the way to the outside for no reason, just so Aiden could get him and sack him. It was so embarrassing. Uh, anyway, and was so, like, well was you well, here we go again. But the rest of the game, except for one big, big whiff on the middle of the field throw to DJ Moore, he looked quite good. Yeah, it's... it's.
1: Well, I mean, the thing about Justin Fields is it feels so unfair when I talk about Justin Fields because he's actually... He has done almost everything that I had asked of him before the season. I said, I just want to see improvement across the board and all of these things. And then you hope that with even more around him next year, you see even more improvement in year four. Like, and and normally that would be okay. Like we would be happy with the progress that he's made. There is the elephant in the room of the bears owning the number one overall pick, but we said, we're not going to go into that right now. So I'm not going to, I would say that game was the last couple weeks. We have seen Justin really clean up, some stuff that were long time problems for him in, in a lot of ways. I do think, despite the fact that he did take the one really bad Justin Sack, on the whole, his pocket presence since he came back from injury has been a lot better. That's that really, that Justin Sack was really one of the only ones that I really feel like was, has been a Justin Sack. I mean, I know got sat, you and I sp- argued about this a little bit after the first Lions game. That first, that sack strip to end the game against the Lions the first time, it, it you your first response is, of course, because that's yeah. just what happens to Justin Fields. That's he what he does, him. right? But at the same time, I was like, that one really wasn't his fault, though. That one was, and that one was disappointing for Darnell, right, because he's had such a great game up to that point. Yeah. But on that one play, he got absolutely beasted by Aiden Hutchinson. He got whopped. Justin didn't, he hadn't even hit the top of his drop when he's being hit. I didn't blame him for that one, but we've seen a lot fewer of the sacks where he holds it for four and a half seconds and he should have gotten rid of the ball already. We did see one this week. Mm-hmm. He, he has gotten, you can really see him start for the first time in his career to really trust his protection a little bit. He, he, he stepped up in the pocket a couple of times, which he had not done he before. Did. He did. Um, Honestly, I was so upset about the – we talked about the egregious overthrow to DJ Moore on the middle of the field. It was bad. So upsetting to me because it was almost, in some ways, the play that's been missing from Justin Fields' entire career. Because if you watch the replay, he does everything right up until the point that he releases the football because he feels the rush, he moves left, and then he rips up and in the pocket to his right and sees DJ coming across the middle of the field, which Justin doesn't do a good job of seeing usually. He sees it. He throws it. If that had been a completed pass, that would have been the most encouraging thing for me that could have come out of that game. I'd have been like, look, that right there, he's doing, he's finally doing it. He stepped, he didn't fall back. He didn't run out. He stepped up and threw. He identified a guy over the middle of the field and he threw the ball. Unfortunately, he fucking threw it 20 feet over his head.
0: You could, the second he let the ball go, you could see his reaction like, oh no,
1: yeah, he was so open. It was one step forward and two steps back just on that throw. But if it had been completed, I'd still be waving it, I'd be right here talking about it. Like, he did it, he did the thing finally. So, there are still things I need to see from him before I believe that he's truly changed in the way that he needs to change. But, on the other hand has. So, yes. and you
0: you look at that throw that he made to DJ more, the touchdown he where he got a guy to jump off sides. That was like one of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen. He just he just fucking nailed him right in stride, didn't even think about it. It looked effortless, right? And then yeah, he has an easier throw to DJ later, and he's just like, twenty yards over yeah. your head, nobody's catching this shit.
1: Now nah, I before anyone thinks I'm bashing Justin, which I'm really not, I do I and I I still like to get here are Justin's last six starts. Hold on, let me get it see if I can get it to pull up. My Okay. He has completed over his last six starts, he's completed sixty-six percent of his passes. He has ten touchdown passes, just two interceptions. He has a hundred and four point five passer rating. He's averaging seven point six yards per attempt. He is averaging fifty-eight yards per game rushing. He's averaging 214 yards per game passing so all combined that's you know almost 270 total yards per game with 11 total touchdowns in that time period um the only thing that really stands out there as a problem is that he's still taking 19 sacks in those six games um and it's i know i know bears fans really want to tell you this offensive line is still bad it's not this offensive line is not it's bad not. anymore they have a mediocre center, but lots of teams have one mediocre guy. Right now, they're getting elite guard play from Tevin Jenkins. They're getting pretty good guard play from Nate Davis. They are getting elite pass protection from Braxton Jones. Right? He is the eighth highest graded of all offensive tackles, left or right, in pass blocking from by Pro Football Focus this year. He, I, still,
0: he, I have, I have still seen some fans suggesting that perhaps hey, that, their second first rounder is going to go to a left tackle. No. Folks, Braxton Jones. It, nobody who we're going to draft is better than Braxton Jones. I, I saw, saw right
1: Bill Barnwell. Oh. Bill had an article where he mentioned the Bears going like needing. He's like they, they need a lot of work in the trenches. They still need there are questions about Braxton Jones, and I was like, why? Why are there questions? There are no this questions. you have to do? Yeah, he's, a, he's a plus. Made it's it so quick. unfair.
0: It's so quick. unfair to Braxton Jones, given he is, how he is played.
1: He's a fifth-round pick. He's in his second year. He's on the cheapest possible contract. And if he was just an average starting tackle, you would still say, like, you got to keep that guy. That's incredible surplus value. But he's not. He's been a he's been a top-ten pass-protecting left tackle all year long. His run blocking has taken a slight step back, but he's still graded out above average. Um, and yes, there was the, he did miss a couple games with injury and he did have some penalty problems early in the year, but there were so many that you knew it was a fluke that would settle down. Um, and it has, uh, but again, I mean, in all ways that he's looked so good. I, I cannot imagine thinking, I mean, I always good to add tackles later in the draft, always good to keep trying to churn and find tackle depth, but to spend a top 10 pick on a tackle when you already have two tackles that to me look like building blocks Braxton Jones and and Donald Wright to me those look like your two and obviously DJ Moore those are like basically in my opinion and Tevin Jenkins I guess if he's going to stay healthy those are the four guys on this offense you look at and are like that's that's the core of your offense right now is DJ Moore and those three linemen you have you've got a good start right there we have the,
0: the dream of, like, like the Dallas Cowboys kind of offensive line. We have, sort yeah, of built it, right? Like, we want yeah. to keep this core forever. You pay these guys, and, you know, you build around them with whatever you can find. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i sorry to interrupt you. I just really – that really pissed me off that there's – Yeah, no, no I, I was, I'm, I'm glad we got there because, yeah, I'm not, I had that
1: – I actually wrote that down on a, as, as a note the other day. I was like, we need to talk about the disrespect towards Braxton Jones. You know, it's funny because you – You know, a lot of times – a lot of times you and I talk about the need to look at what national media is saying about the bears, because local media is too close to the situation. Um, yeah. And especially at something as big as like Justin Fields, future. It's very interesting to me, you know, the debate that there is in Chicago about what they should do versus nationally where there's no, basically no debate at all, unfortunately for Justin. Um, yeah. But, but local media, actually in this case, I would say some of you national guys need to talk, to the local guys about what Braxton Jones actually looks like. Because I have not heard one person who actually covers the Bears specifically even suggest that tackle is what they should do with with one of those first-round picks. Nobody's even – it's not even a question to any of us that watch the Bears every week. It's like, yeah, Braxton Jones, there's your left tackle. You're good. You're set. Um, Yeah. Like it, it, may be, it may be be besides cornerback,
0: that may be the spot I'm most happy with on the yeah, whole team. The depth, yeah, yeah, the depth on the roster
1: at offensive tackle and at corner, linebacker, defensive tackle, surprisingly. Those are all places where they're all pretty good. Those are not the position groups that I'm messaging with. Yeah. Dude, take take your victory lap, man. Take your German Dexter. I don't know. You know, it's so well, kind of fun after the
0: season to really if talk about wanna, how good your are You want to go back
1: to, I mean, honestly, let's brag about both of us right now for a second here. Because Darnell Wright has not, I think they said he hasn't allowed a sack in his last, I want to say, seven starts, maybe. Last six yep. starts. Um, he's, all, I mean, he's, a, he's the top rookie offensive tackle in terms of, uh, we talked about, true pass set pass block grade a lot when we were grading tackles and you know and it, when there's not play action when it's not a screen when the ball when you actually really have to just block your guy. Darnell Wright's been very good at that this year. Um but yeah what you can go back, folks, it's all on record. You can go back to our pre draft episodes. This Travis and I are not usually consensus on anything when it comes to the draft, but we both looked at Darnell Wright and said that guy is the best tackle in the draft. That is if he's there at ten, that is the pick. Darnell Wright. End of story. Uh, yeah, but then, I mean, then when mean, our so, most
0: popular episode still somehow keeps getting views. Is our draft cast? Our four, so hour long, four hours,
1: yeah. But, <laughs> but um,
0: cast of the draft, and you can hear
1: our reaction there yeah, when we, we draft were, Darnell Wright. We're we are so excited, we are so yeah, we believed in Darnell Wright all along. Was offensive tackle number one on both of our boards. Uh, but when we talked about, you can listen to the one where we talk about what the Bears should do with that second round pick. Uh, and I'm talking I'm mentioning defensive tackles, most of whom did go ahead of where the Bears ended up picking anyway, so they weren't actually options. But I'm naming guys like Keanu Benton and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And Travis is Jervin Dexter. And I'm just like, the 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 Florida guy? Is anyone even talking about him as a second round pick? Mm-hmm. And Travis is like, I am. I'm talking about him as a second round pick, and I guarantee you Ryan Poles is too. And I was like, All right, you know, that's that's fine, you know, and I, I moved on. I thought Travis said one of his Travis things. We'll never come back to this. But here he is. Jervon Dexter was the better second-round pick, and and he is coming a long way. I mean, I, I was optimistic, given the tools that he has, that someday he could be a thing. But he's already a thing right now. He is already contributing in year one on real reps, winning pass. And I don't think he's even really developed the pass rush moves that he, he eventually will. No, yeah. But he, right now, he's just winning based on – his raw strength, but, uh, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's really something like, I I can't believe it. Honestly. I'm just like, Travis, take your damn lap. German Dexter really is a dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing that I didn't even count on, like I, I looked at this guy and basically what I was looking at was RES scores and I filtered down for those. And then I went out and watched tape of these guys. Yeah. And I was like, this Javon Dexter is a freak. So yeah. let's watch his Florida tape. And that's when I noticed that his coaching staff was just telling him not to <laughs> yeah. rush the passer. Yeah. I was well, like, was... oh, my God, what a sleeper. But, I mean, the one thing that I didn't know about him, because how could you, is that this guy is a, a sponge. Like, he, everything that you hear from his teammates is this guy wants to learn. He wants to get better. He is relentless in hunting down every good pass rusher on this Bears defense and being like, how do you do that? What do you do? What am I looking for from the offensive line? He talks to the offensive linemen. The offensive linemen on this team are like this dude won't shut up. He won't stop asking me like what, how can I get by you on this? What do you find most difficult? Like if I do this, does that put you on your ass? Like he he never stops learning and developing. And like you said, he he maybe has half of his final bag.
1: Oh, you can his tell players. he's he's only scratching the surface of what he. I mean, yep. and, and that was the I mean, that was what the Bears players were saying about him. In trade, I think it was Yannick and Gakwe. I remember this, when it, it, it was, was like Yannick yeah. and Gakwe was like, I don't know if you guys that kid, there's something special there. And I was like, okay, sure, you yeah, know, that's that's nice to say, but like obviously they can already see it. Like there is real, like I mean, that strength is just not replicable. Very few guys are that big and that strong. And so if he really is learning how to use that then his ceiling is very high. It's very high. And, and we're seeing him start to realize even a fraction of it faster than I thought he would. And that's been exciting. There are multiple times a game where I'm just watching broadcast view, and it's very hard to even know his defensive line on broadcast view sometimes, but you're just watching the broadcast of the game. And you're like, Jervin Dexter did a thing there. I saw Jervin Dexter there again. There, that offensive lineman was having a bad day against Jervin Dexter right there. Um, so, yeah, he's really coming along. Anyways, and so that wraps up our conversation about how good Justin Fields has been, right? We're talking about Justin Fields, right? So I was reading off the of stats for the last six games, and we talked about the yeah. sacks, and and that's the main problem there is that he's really cleaned up a lot of the peripheral stuff. Like you don't see him just whiffing on short passes anymore. He's really cleaned up a lot of the little stuff, but there are still a few key obstacles that I think are holding him back from his full potential still, which is he's still not throwing with a lot of anticipation. He's still not throwing to the middle of the field, and he is still taking too many sacks. So if there's one thing I want to see from Justin Fields down this stretch where he's playing for his job and we all know it, I'd like to see, like I said, that DJ Moore pass, if he had just completed it, I would have been so happy for him because that's the throw I've been waiting for his whole career. So if, if he if he gets another chance at that throw and he gets another chance to step up in that pocket and rip it over the middle of that guy, I hope he completes it. I want to see him, regardless of where his future is, I, I still want Justin Fields to be a successful NFL quarterback. You and I bet heavily on the guy. You and I believed in the guy. Um, yeah. And, he's, and he's, he's faced a lot of unfair obstacles that have slowed his development. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to see him. There's still a few things I want to see him do, and I want to see him do it because I think – some of those things are going to be necessary if the Bears really are going to pull off a run here and maybe even try to make the playoffs. Those are things that you're going to have to do if you're going to want to win a playoff game against a playoff-caliber defense. So, uh, but yeah, Justin's been – it's hard to know he's gotten a lot better at a lot of things since last year. Um, there are still a few things that, that he he hasn't flashed as much uh, progress on as I hoped he would. But yeah, I mean, I I he's – I thought against that Lions, if I was giving a letter grade, I thought he was a B+. Um, I think, unfortunately for him, he needs to stack about four A-pluses plus, a in a row to really change the conversation. But I, I it was good to see it's, – it's been good to see him – it's been a while since he's had one of those games where, you know, he's only passing for 99 yards where he where nothing just seems to be clicking. He's really eliminated those true – basement games out of him. He's raised his floor, which is very good to see. Yep. So that, and that was really for
0: me, that's the final piece for That's what I want to see the rest of the way, right? It's the variance between what Justin Fields does. It's he has all these good plays and we've seen him. We've seen him do it for, you know, e- each of the first three years of his career so far. Um, it's eliminating these huge losses, these big fat 10 plus yard sacks at these big sack fumbles. These, you know, it's, it's these giant negative plays that completely counteract. Like, you know, if, if you fumble the ball, uh, like he did, uh, against Minnesota, like he did against Detroit previously, and you give up a touchdown off of that, that's seven points that negates whatever an 80 yard drive with a touchdown at the end of it. So that's even that's equal. Right. Um, and that's, what's dog Justin Fields up to this point, um, but here in the Lions game, what we saw is he took that one bad sack and he didn't do it again. He didn't turn the ball over. He He's not making these bad decisions with the ball. You said the last six games, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's been eliminating these bad, big, negative plays. I don't mind if you take a sack. You know, a lot of guys in the NFL take a sack. A guy who I really want to talk about in comparison to Justin after this week is Lamar Jackson. You're going to take sacks, right? It's just going to happen when you play that way. What Lamar does is he he gets rid of the low end of the Justin Fields plays. You don't see these catastrophic plays. Uh, If Justin can keep this up, what it's going to look like is basically the same thing we got here. Just we don't see yeah, the big there's, turnovers. We don't see the big turnovers. We don't see these I'm gonna take ten seconds and miss a wide open guy plays. Yeah, and he did cut down on that against Detroit.
1: Yeah, I mean there's a there's a huge difference between a sack that puts you it in, in second and twelve and a sack that puts you in second and twenty-three. I mean like yep. second and twelve you can still pick up six yards and then pick up third and six second and 23, you're basically, you've killed your drive already. It's so,
0: over. Right, yeah. it's done. You've and so when,
1: like I said, he, he's still taking a lot of sacks as a whole, but I really feel like since he's come back from injury, that one that he had against Detroit this week was the only one of the like ones that you'd look at and you'd be like, that was a Justin sack. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did take uh, the first sack he took on, was it the first drive against the Lions this week? where he It was the first drive, yep. Where, where, and really that was, Roshan messed up the, the block on the blitz. And that was, I mean, not Justin's fault. And also, it was like a three-yard loss, you know? It, it, they they stayed in field goal range. It was fine. Yeah, The um, other two sacks,
0: actually, that Justin took, they were both Roshon Johnson's fault. He just, yeah. he just went to the wrong spot. In fact, I called out Justin during the broadcast. I was talking to you like, there it is. All the Lions did was send one extra guy, and he's doomed. And then I looked at it again. And Roshan ran right up the center's ass for no yeah. reason. And he was yeah. right where he needed to be. So it yeah. wasn't just in real time
1: it's hard to tell. Like, did Justin just not notice the unblocked guy, which right. has been a real problem for him in his career? But like, no, he did. He thought he I mean, when it's you know, sometimes when it's the when it's the guy who is unblocked by design, as JTO Sullivan likes to keep pointing out a lot with Justin Fields, like that's the quarterback's guy. If that happened, if you get sacked by that guy, that is almost always on you as a quarterback because you should have identified that guy and you should have prepared for that. But he, that was not the unblocked guy. He was only unblocked because someone didn't make a block. In which case, obviously, then that's not on the quarterback. And you know, I don't want to I don't want to hammer Roshan because he has been a very good pass protecting running back this year for the most part, which is usually the last thing that rookie running backs get good at. Um, so he's already been an advanced one this year. He just had a he had a rough game in that department, uh, and that happens to the best of us. But yes, that that sack was not Justin's fault for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, and so one of the things I wanted to talk about, actually, you kind of brought it up. I saw the boot to Doom work this week. The bootleg to Doom work, Uh and I know what the point of the play is. And this ties into another guy who's been great and who I want to talk about, and it's going to make you laugh. Uh, But Basically, Justin rolled out. It was the boot to Doom, but what happened is the free defensive end didn't know where to go because he was either go to Justin and leave Cole Komet wide open or go to Cole Komet and let Justin run straight down the field for a touchdown. Yeah. And so the guy I want to talk about is Cole Komet. Uh, and the guy, we've talked about two guys who are earning their contracts right now, Tremaine Edmonds and Montez Sweat. Cole Komet signed a big deal this offseason. When uh, running backs weren't getting paid, we kind of made fun of it because it was like, this guy gets 12 bid a year, but Jonathan Taylor can't get a dollar. Uh, but, man, Cole Komet this year, by PFF, He has been the fourth-best tight end in the NFL, and he has absolutely looked like it. Uh, And here's the thing. You, Kyle, you made a lot of hay this past offseason talking about how Justin Fields was uncomfortable, and you thought it was because he just wasn't comfortable throwing to those wide receivers last year. He didn't have guys to throw it to. He didn't believe they would be open, right? And I think one thing that has benefited him tremendously since he came back is – Cole Komet with Tyson Bajan kind of showed like, I'm going to catch everything you throw my way. Like he was his security blanket. He was open. He was catching the ball and running after the catch. When Justin came back, it seemed like he had full confidence in Cole Komet and having two guys, not three because Darnell Moody dropped three fucking passes in this game. That would have put it completely out of reach of us earlier. But having two guys who Justin completely trusts to catch the ball um, and to get after it and not allow him to get intercepted to come back to the ball uh has been massive, and Cole Komet has been huge. Do you Kyle, I know that you you are not a big Cole Komet fan, and I am a, a big Cole Komet fan, but I'm pretty sure at this point, man, it's it's a little bit indisputable how good he has been this season, is it not? He
1: nah. You gotta say it, you gotta say it! I won't say you gotta it, say it. Kyle. I'm not gonna say it! But I have to say it. He has gotten to be very good... Uh, yep, yep. That's, at, good. that's a period right after that. Uh, at <laughs> the things that he used to be kind of good at. he At, at he, everything he's supposed to do. He was a good blocker. He's become a very good blocker. He yep. used to be good at finding holes in zone. He has become great. At finding holes in zone, he used to be kind of bad at using his size to win contested catches, but he's kind of finally figured out how to do that. That was one of my biggest frustrations with him for years: is that in the red. I mean, he went f- how many games last year without catching a touchdown? And when he get opportunities, it just he felt. You know, I don't, I don't. I'm not calling a player soft, as in like we, he didn't. I he didn't, did not. He did not. He, utilize, so he, he played did not, soft. He played like. Well, we talked about Quentin Johnston for Texas Tech, yes, Texas right. Christian, where it's like, you're so, and I mean, if you want to talk about another guy who used to be a bear this year, Chase Claypool, where you look at the guy and you're just like, you have all that and you choose to play like this, I don't get you. And that was all I used to with like Cole Komet. It was like, look, you are not super fast, so you need to use that size you have. And we've seen him start. To do that and you've seen that Justin is starting to trust that, like, okay, if I wing it up to him in the in the end zone, he, he might actually come down with it this time. Um, there's still one thing that I don't think Cole will ever be great at, and that is just separating in man coverage and creating him for himself when he's got a guy sticking to him. I think a lot of my Cole Komet complaints nowadays really aren't Cole Komet complaints, they are Luke Getze complaints, because Luke Getze still tends to draw things up that very much as a design are based off this idea that Cole is going to magically get separation, which he never does. But yes, at, at almost everything you want a tight end to do, he has become very good. I think he is about at, to be a nice or mean to Cole. I don't know how you would, he has gotten to be about as good as a tight end can be without being a great tight end. If that makes any kind of sense, because I think when you think about, the Travis Kelseys and the Rob Gronkowski's, and you think about like I mean, not and not even to pick two Hall of yeah, Famers. What if I just choose? Uh, we'll say I don't know who's a great tight end who's not a really good tight end who's not all.
0: Well, you favorite. can. I mean, this is very simple. You can look at kind of the way PFF ranks these guys, and it's basically Travis Kelsey on another planet, and that's a game breaker, right? A guy who can win right. a game for you. And Comette is on the level of T.J. Hawkinson, essentially, which yes. is a guy who's very, yes. very good. He is not he
1: was, going to win the game for you. He's he not going is, to break the game. The best thing, it, 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 Cole Komet in an ideal world is a very important part of a great passing offense. Yes. He right. is not the reason that you have a great passing offense. And that's where he's. I think he has totally realized his potential. I think he's a very useful player. Uh, and he's a true inline tight end, and there are actually a lot of those guys left. But, like, uh, for instance, an idea I've had for the Bears' first-round pick that I wouldn't necessarily hate is if they went ahead and got, like, Brock Bowers and they ran a lot of 12 personnel next year, and you have in Brock Bowers, you have that guy who can be the true move tight end, the one that you have run the seam route, the one you split out wide sometimes while you keep Cole in line. And I think that would be a very dangerous offense with two, with a guy like that and a guy like, Cole um but yeah Cole is always just going to be like in an ideal world he is going to be a very good third option for your quarterback right now he is Justin Fields second option and I still think that's a little that's not quite what you want for a truly productive passing offense although I think a lot of that has less to do with Cole than it does with Justin I, I do think he still has trouble getting to that second deep read. I think he's looking at DJ and then he's looking yes. at Cole or he's checking it down to his back very quickly. Um, but yeah, I, Cole Komet's doing good stuff, I Real guess. Real good. Real good.
0: <sighs> <sighs> he's got contract. Oh, that that contract's looking like a steal, Kyle.
1: Uh, but yeah, he's looking at it, it's, I, performance is meeting expect. he is a meets expectations, is why, I, I'm not giving him a, I'm not giving him an exceeds, he's performing, he, the one he thing you meets can say, expectations.
0: The one thing you can say about him, and about a lot of people on this team, is they are playing with an aggression that I have not seen from this team since, like, probably halfway through last year, when there was still some hope, like, there was still some fun to this team. Cole is running through people. He's running over them. It's not just him. Justin this week and the week before has been showing burst like he did in that first season, like he did last year in the first half before he got kind of injured and didn't want to run as much. He, the way he got that touchdown um, to kind of close this game out, sprinted to the edge of the end zone that burst. I haven't seen that from Justin in, in, months and months and maybe more than a year he's that fast and it's great to see him doing that again it's great to see him cold playing his, uh, out of his head uh i the one guy we haven't talked about i know we weren't going to be too negative i didn't i really i really don't much care for luke getzy still i question a lot of his play calling dj moore didn't get a fucking target in this game until the second half but he got three handoffs like it's just still he still does some stuff that's absolutely quisotic, Kyle. It it's, it boggles my mind.
1: He Getsy is. I mean, he's not unlike Matt Nagy in like the. It's, yeah. it's always a single good idea taking taken to the point where it stops being a good idea. Usually, he has like one tight end screen a game or every couple of weeks where I'm just like that was a really well designed screen, and then he runs it four more times in the same game until it eventually becomes a seven yard loss and it's like you that's just you can't can't do it like that. That first DJ Moore, the DJ Moore for the for the touchdown, that was a brilliant play design and it took advantage of yep. it's a great play that takes that's the kind of play you should have when you have Justin Fields at quarterback because it took yeah, advantage of the fact that he knew two defenders were gonna go with Justin on that play no matter what.
0: But then the one on fourth and one, you go back to the well
1: too many times. Like it's yeah. you gotta you have to have more clubs in it's, your bag. It's fourth and one.
0: You have maybe the best run blocking side of an offensive line right now. If you just put Tevin and Darnell on the same side and run run to Deontay Foreman behind them, you can't possibly get less than two yards. And yet he's like, well, "What about hand around to DJ Moore? Yeah, uh, to get one yard? No. What if you don't? F- uh, here's the basically what I want to say is." Maybe Eberflus could save his job, right? He's he's trending in that direction. Maybe Justin can save his job. Maybe uh, Ryan Pohl seems to have already saved his job. Uh, I think we kind of covered that a few weeks ago, and it's only become more solidified. I I don't think Luke Getzey can save his job. I think Luke is good. Needs to be polishing off that resume uh, and get ready to be replaced for next year. Well, and I think I
1: think if they keep. Matt Eberflus, half of the fan base is going to be really pissed off anyways. And I ha- you and I might still be in that half. I, at this moment, I'm almost like probably, unless, the, unless they really do pull off the miracle here. Yeah. Um, so then I think they probably, if nothing else, I think they offer up Luke Getzey as a sacrifice just to give yes. the people something. But yeah, I would agree no matter what happens, I think Getzey's out of town. I do. I think he's... Because I mean, if you keep Justin Fields, you can't keep Getzey for another year Anyway, it's, it's clear that that marriage is forced at best, and the times that it does seem to work are the times when it seems like kind, – kind of like Mike Martz back in the day, Luke Getze has kind of been browbeaten into running an offense he really doesn't want to run. Agreed. And he, he does it until he feels he's gotten him off to his back, and then he goes back to trying to run what he wants to run. Um, so, yeah, if you keep Justin Fields, you have to move on. And then from Luke Getzi, and if you don't keep Justin Fields, if you are taking – Drake May or Caleb Williams, you really need a much more esteemed and highly thought-of offensive mind who has a who has a plan for one of those kids and and give them a shot. But yeah, so I think Luke Getzi definitely is probably a dead man walking here.
0: Yeah. Uh do we have anything we want to say prior to this Browns game? I mean, obviously a huge game. Every game, every week is a huge game for the Bears coming up. This is a team. You said it earlier. If there's any team like the Minnesota Vikings defense in the NFL, it's the Browns. Except the Browns are better at everything. They yeah. they are going to send the house, and they have guys who are going to try to murder Justin Fields. They have one of the better defenses in the league. What what does it look like for you to continue in a positive direction with Justin against the Browns? And what it like? How bad can it be for you? To I mean, to, it's you really, know,
1: he still played pretty well. He needs to avoid the turnovers, obviously. He needs to avoid the ugly sacks. Staying on schedule is going to be so key here because I do think with the way the Bears' defense is playing and with the injuries to the Browns' offensive line, I do think, like, 13, 14, 17 points really might do it. So, like, staying on on schedule, staying out of bad plays, all of that's going to be huge. Um, Show me that you can operate quick game because that's going to be huge too. That isn't just wide receiver screens. Show me that you can hit some slants, some curls, some hitches. Show me that you can do that kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm not saying you have to, against this Browns defense, you're not going to have to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns to impress me. Just play the kind of clean game that you have rarely played in your career. I mean, truly clean, uh, and we'll talk about it. Because yeah. you, you give your team a chance to win if that's the case. And honestly, I think this is a good chance for Justin to do some stuff on the ground, too. Like, that's where he can be a real weapon for them if it's too dangerous to put it up in the air against this defense and against Miles Garrett. You know, sometimes what you do then is you just run right at Miles Garrett. You try to get the edge on him. So, Yeah. This is I, going to be
0: a very, a very. I think the way you have to go about this game is like the Kirk Ferentz game, right? Is you're just you going to grind them, them out. You don't make mistakes. You let them make mistakes because they have Joe Flacco playing quarterback, and we have a good defense. Joe Flacco is elite, so. Yeah. You let them beat themselves. Joe Flacco is out there, and he's looking like as old as my dad at this point. He like, Flacco. He's Flacco. He is like a full gray beard. Yeah, he, he looks. He looks. He He threw for 300 yards. That was one of the stupidest games I've ever seen. I, I was watching Red Zone on the other screen while I was watching the Bears this last week, and that was just a fucking fiesta of turnovers and bullshit. The Browns and the Jaguars. The Jaguars are the weirdest team in the NFL this year. Uh, So I don't really put too much stock in what Joe Flacco did last week. I think we are going to be able to shut him down with this defense, but yeah, it's, this is all on the offense, right? This is going to be a huge test for Justin because Lord knows the Cardinals aren't going to put up that much of a fight. The Falcons are okay, but they're certainly not as good as the lions. Um, And then you've got green Bay, which is, it doesn't matter how bad green Bay is. I assume we're going to get shellacked. Um, but yeah, this is really this is really the defense Justin is going to play for the rest of the year. Hopefully the Bears can pull it out and we can keep being excited next week, even more excited about yeah. this goddamn
1: team. So I say it one last time. Fuck it. We ball. We well, are home in the Delta. Way out on that floor. Now you know I'm leaving Chicago, and people that I show do hate to go. Now you
0: know I'm leaving here in Won't be back.